Episode 44, Artist Nancy Buchanan. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the luxurious library bar in the magnificent Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown L.A. Stepping from the skylit lobby into the paneled coziness of the bar, it takes a moment for my eyes to adjust to the soft lighting. My appointment materializes in my bloodshot retinas, then she waves me over to a booth at the back. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest tonight is Nancy Buchanan, a key figure in the performance art scene and of the feminist art movement that emerged in SoCal during the 1970s. Her work is often positioned the audience as a participant in a wider conversation on the gendered and defamiliarized body, the dangers of commercialized voyeurism, and the dire consequences of an increasing militarization in our society. Her work is included in the collections of major museums here in the U.S. and abroad, including MoMA and the Centre Pompidou, among many others. As a testament to her influence, Buchanan was prominently featured in four exhibitions that were part of the 2012 Pacific Standard Time show, including Under the Big Black Sun at Mocha's Geffen, Best Kept Secret, UCI, and the Development of Contemporary Art in Southern California, 1964-1971 at the Laguna Art Museum, and L.A. Raw, Abject Expressionism in L.A., 1945-1980, from Rico Lebrun to Paul McCarthy. That was at the Pasadena Museum, and in addition, she co-curated Art Exchange and Evolution Worldwide Video, 1974 to 1999, at the Long Beach Museum of Art. Buchanan is no longer performing, but is currently focused on drawing, and a body of recent work will be showcased at the Charlie James Gallery in May. She's here to talk about her work then and now, so please welcome Nancy Buchanan. Welcome, Nancy Buchanan. Thank you. Glad to be here. Anyway, I was super excited to have you here, actually. And I'm sorry, if you hear the huffing and puffing, it's because Marlo is here. I didn't want to bring her because she, she's like, sometimes she's sweet. And tonight she's a little anxious. And so if you hear the huffing, it is not Nancy. It, <laughs> it, is, it is Marlo, the shop dog. Anyway, I'm excited to have you because... Uh, you know, I was thinking that if uh, the L.A. art scene were a album, um, you would be a deep track, right? <laughs> you know, like, it, it, like you know, Ed Ruscha or something might be a, uh, you know, the, the, the one that got all the radio play. But uh, the thing that made the album and that pulled it all together and stuff would be the work that you had done. And uh, and so that's why I'm excited to have you here. Well, you know, it's funny because I actually did perform a song once. Uh -huh. I did a performance called Rock and Roll Piece. And um, 
I, uh, I had this idea and I needed to um, find a band and my sister actually knew somebody who knew somebody who knew loudest band in the world, Blue Cheer. I don't know that. So Blue Cheer, um, yeah. They turned it all the way up to 11. Their Summertime Blues was apparently. Oh, yes, Summertime Blues, oh, of course. At one Blue time, Cheer. the loudest oh, band ever. Yes, yeah, Summertime and, Blues. Uh, so I got in touch with them, and the lead guy said, oh, no, we don't perform with female vocalists and I said but wait guys and you were the vocalist yeah I, I, I needed to do this song and I said but but listen I don't I can't sing I'm tone deaf and they said oh that's different <laughs> well you're so, perfect then right so they took um, a version of uh, a song called Red House and broke it into like four notes and then made me a little scratch track so I could practice and? And I actually then performed a little song called that I had composed using the uh, shareholders report from Union Oil Company. And uh, <laughs> I, I took it and uh, broke it down and made it rhyme and No kidding. Mm -hmm. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was about it was about this uh, this idea of uh, artists uh, you know wanting to be famous. And right. I thought, that's bullshit, you know? Mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. what art's about. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so I can even be like a rock star. So sure. I went to Hollywood and I bought this really weird long platinum wig and uh, some cheesy clothes. And um, I uh, made this song. And I had, I had headshots printed. I had a friend, Marsha Adams, take pictures of me with the wig. And uh, I, I signed the, the photos on the front, and I numbered them on the back, and I sold them for $5 each as raffle tickets. So <laughs> if you don't win the raffle, right. you actually have a piece of art you only paid $5 for, right? So I wish I had everybody I wins. <laughs> and it was guaranteed. Who won the raffle? Oh. Or did, the, did you actually have the raffle? Yeah, I had the raffle after the song. Yeah, so after the, um, we performed the song, then I had rented a raffle bin, and I was blindfolded, a little gold lame blindfold, <laughs> nice. and I drew the winning tickets, and it was guaranteed that the, the winners would, would receive something of comparable value to exactly how many photos I sold. Oh, really? So I wasn't making anything, right? Well, it yeah, was non that's why you got an art in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, so then I, uh, I read the highs and lows of Union Oil for the year. Mm -hmm. and How'd they do that here? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. But they're still doing... I'm assuming they made a profit. Yeah, oh, they always do. They, uh, they're still doing the same things that they were doing then, like trying to um, negate any shareholder resolutions to, sure. you know, curb pollution or, you know... Were there, there, other. there were actually shareholders asking for that? Yes. Yes, there are always um, groups, uh, small groups of shareholders who have like one or two stocks. They go to the meetings. Why don't they just meetings. invest in like 
like, a, like an investing Because they, they want that to be put on the ballot. Oh, I see. Right. It's amazing. And they go they go to the meetings, even though the meetings are usually at 8.30 in the morning in some sure. godforsaken place. Sure, sure, sure. And so they keep it up in the radar, right? Huh. So anyway, so so then I then I um, sat down and another performer, um, Ransom Rideout, who was my husband at the time, took blood out of my arm and I took out uh, shares that I had had, you know, released from Union Oil right. that I'd inherited from my family, right. and I signed them with my blood and gave them to the winners. Wow! Amazing. And then Blue Cheer played music and everybody danced. Where was that? That sounds like fun. It was at a it was at a gallery that was inside a very large building in Westwood, the oh. um, uh, Gerard John Hayes Gallery, mm. and Barbara Smith had performed there. Um, I forget who else. Maybe Richard Newton. Amazing. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh, like. Speaking of the, uh, you know, an, an album, L.A. as an album and stuff, and, you know, we recently, of course, uh, John Belisari passed, yeah. and um, I'm assuming you, were you at, uh, you teaching at CalArts, or you were at CalArts at the same time, or? No, no I came guys? later. Oh, Catherine Lord kind of purged a lot of the I faculty. I don't there. know that story. Yeah. What's that story? That sounds like a great story. What is that? I don't really know the whole background. I just mm. know that things changed when the deans changed. Uh huh. And um, you know, and it seems like John went where he was most comfortable and and you know had interests, and I think he then went over to UCLA. Right. Yeah. So, um, you, you continue to practice, and I'm interested to know what you're working on now. Okay. Um, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drawing, and actually there's a couple, there's a few drawings in a little show that's up till the 11th at Christina Kite Gallery. Right and where's now. that, and how do we see that? Uh, Christina Kite Gallery is in the West Adams District. It's just a block away from the Underground Museum, which is a fabulous place cool to space. visit. Yeah, and it's a small group show of um, works that use juxtaposition. Hmm. It was curated by Hannah Hoffman and Christina Kite. And these are super old drawings, but the new drawings, the recent drawings, there's two different directions. And um, one is drawings of hair, and I've been working with hair uh, since I was a graduate student, actually, mm -hmm. since 1971. And the other series is um, uh, uh, from life, still life drawings of distressed dog toys. Oh, well, Marlo is here. As you can hear her snorting in, in the background, so she would love that show. Does she have any beloved toys that she's chewed up? Yeah, she uh, she has a monkey that uh, she will, like, you can go ask her to go get the monkey and she'll go get the monkey. So. Yeah, well, if I could borrow it, I Absolutely. would yeah, like to I, make I, a drawing. And there's yeah. actually, uh, um, actually, I have a, uh, my Kelly toy that she, uh, that was in one of my Kelly's pieces that I feel badly about, but I half feel badly about. 
because I think you would appreciate the fact that she's chewing the toy. Well, I see a little mouse that she chews. I started the whole series when he died. Oh, because okay. I was I was just you know everybody was I think overwhelmed by yeah, yeah. by that event and uh, so my dog had this little I don't know figure it was kind of a bear or something and uh, I just uh, distracted myself by drawing that and I, it was it was for Mike and so right. the whole series is about that and it's it's kind of about I guess. Things like the, you know, the uh, remnants or the traces of 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 love mm -hmm. that you find in things like that. Sure, yeah. haunting, haunting for sure. So this is why I referred to you initially as a deep track. You've been involved in all of that from like uh, from um, your time at UCI, right? And you know that's quite the class, right? You had David Hockney, and uh, who else was in there? They, well, they, David they, Hockney was teaching. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is yeah, and so you had class with David, and who? But but, but that whole group was like. Yeah, it was a really amazing time, you know. Yeah. It was an amazing time, and because there there wasn't any real well, there was structure. There was structure, sure. but uh, but um, John Copeland's was started that department, mm -hmm. and so it was kind of um, eclectic with big holes in it, which was very interesting. Like. When I was an undergraduate, I had to take some art history, and at one point I found that there were only like two classes that, you know, would be on the basics that would Sweet, satisfy. Sweet, right? Yeah, yeah. You, but it was you get your degree with only two classes. Awesome. No, no, no. But I mean, I had to have a number of classes, but the, the choices of the two classes were either Picasso or Gothic cathedrals. Really? Yeah, because that's what. The, yeah, the two sure. people teaching wanted to teach, so it was like people <laughs> did what they wanted to. The Gothic cathedrals <laughs> thing sounds pretty cool. Who was doing that? Ah, oh, doesn't matter. Remember but anyway, but yeah. yeah. Well, because in my, you know, when I, I went to USA and I, I was the, uh, you know, part of my work study thing was I was the uh, uh, AV guy, so I would, you know, I, <laughs> I had to show. Um, slides in those days uh, for everybody for you know from Chinese art to the, the survey to you know Islamic art or whatever but that and that's why I, that's why I have a bookstore now is because I just loved it and I you know was totally immersed <laughs> so that's why I'm excited about the gothic thing so tell me more <laughs> uh -huh. But but the group the group that was in the graduate class was also like totally disparate, you know. Everybody did completely different work, you know. There was yeah, you know, Chris. it's an interesting thing like that. But the 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 people in your class, even in the MFA class, they included was Burden in that. Yeah, the MFA class was Chris Burden, Barbara Smith, uh, Robert Walker, and Titus. Um, okay, who else was in that class? 
George. But, and, and, but the Williams. instructors were also luminaries, right? So you had David Hockney. You had well, no, he. W- I think he had. He wasn't teaching at that time because I had classes with him as an undergrad. Okay, but I mean, in the span yeah. of your time, so in the years that you were at UCI, which is like, who would think, right? UCI, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Kind of came under the radar, but it's so important in LA art. Well, I think it was Irwin who really shaped yeah, it. Yeah, Robert Irwin was yeah. there, right? And 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 uh, so it was Robert. Well, who else is teaching? Larry Bell. I mean, oh right. Yeah. For me, Robert Irwin and Larry Bell were the most important influences on my work sure. and my thinking, and I kind of think they saved my life because. <laughs> Because when I was there, I was, you know, this, um, you know, single mother trying to struggle along and raise a kid, and my parents had both died, and I was kind of spinning out there, you know. What? Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my father had died when I was 13. And your father was involved, and was instrumental, or or like, not influential, instrumental, what am I thinking of? had an influence on your work, right? Because he was uh, at Lockheed, or? Well, well, my father was a nuclear physicist, Ah. and, um, you know, he started out like all bright physicists, you know, really wanting to do pure science and research and all of that, but when the war came, then he went uh, overseas and he worked on radar. And then when he came back, he kind of got drawn into the military-industrial complex doing sure. studies. And he mm-hmm. was the first chief scientist of the Air Force. And oh, wow. we lived in Washington, D.C. for a while. But, um, uh, and, he, it, you know, he, it was a small circle then. It was a small circle of scientists like it's a, it was a small circle of artists when I kind of started out. Oh, that's an interesting And so parallel. one of his best friends was Johnny von Neumann, who, you know, was a mathematician who was interested in computers. And my father also wanted to build computers. And uh, anyway, he, um, he wound up working for Lockheed, um, you know, as a career move because he wasn't brave enough to just go set up a card table and start a computer company. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he... he and how, how might that have turned out? In 1950, <laughs> nobody, nobody was interested. You know, he went to... He actually went to see the people at the May Company and said, you know, you can use a computer for records. And they said, oh, you've got to be yeah, kidding, yeah, right? Oh, my God. So, um, so he went to Lockheed and, and he actually kind of morphed his position at Lockheed into um, one that allowed him to build computers. Okay. It was for defense, but still, at least sure. he got to build the computers. But mm-hmm. uh, but he died very suddenly and mysteriously at the age of 47. Uh, he wow. was in Washington, D.C. Uh, to attend a meeting with NASA people, and he was found dead in his hotel room. Okay. So, and then... And you were... How old then? I was 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was was very... It was very shocking, yeah. And uh, then uh, my... And so this has been informed your work, right? Well, my mother died when I was 18. Oh, my God. A week after I got married. And so my family never threw anything away. So I wound up with boxes of papers from everybody in my family and in 1978 I decided to look at my father's papers because I thought you know I really 
didn't know who he was. And so I thought, well, looking through these, I would figure it out. Yeah, or get, yeah, like go in that rabbit hole. You would never, yeah, yeah you didn't know. So. Yeah, it took me two years of sorting <laughs> these papers. And they were, you know, a lot of them were his, his working papers from the studies he had done. Um, on he, radar? No, on all sorts oh, just of things. all sorts of things. Okay. Some of them were stamped, top secret, do not oh, remove. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there was, and, and there were some very interesting ones. There was a study of air defense in the United States mm. right after the war. Mm-hmm. And one of my father's letters was about the fact that some of the military people who were involved in this study just wanted to start a war with Russia and get it over with. Oh yeah, and there you go. He yeah. was very yeah. adamant yeah. about well, that. That's not a good you know, idea. That if that <laughs> happened, he was gonna, you know, disavow himself from <laughs> well, yeah. the study. Well, if, and if he were still alive, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you know, I mean, people are complex. You know, he was a mixture of all sorts of different things. He was brilliant, but he was brutal. He, you know, he could drink a fifth of whiskey a day and still function, and. Uh-huh. Um, and he wrote an anti-war play the year I was born. No kidding. Where there were satellites circling the earth that were armed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a little... So it's prescient. Yeah. There's a little accident and lights go off and one of the military guys freaks out and pushes the button, right? right. But it was an earthquake. It wasn't provoked. Ah. So. Well, thank God. End of the world, though, because all the lights go on in the pl- end yeah. of the play. And we're and we're near that. Right? Yeah, really. <laughs> so, so what I did with 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 his stuff was, I decided to make a portrait using just the papers. Mm-hmm. So I made this red, white, and blue portrait with red sheets of paper with some research I had done about science, the physicists. Uh, nuclear or atomic weapons as they were called then anti-communism all those kinds of things Mm -hmm. and then I interviewed people who knew him and recorded the interviews and then transcribed little fragments so that was more personal stuff and those were on blue tissue paper Mm -hmm. and so I made ten books that were from his birth to his death and the books are now at the Getty Research so people can see them there if they request them well and I will look after them myself so so I'm interested in listening to that that like so how did you decide to like oh I'm going to make art okay well I don't know I guess it's corny to say it but I started drawing when I was two years old And then um, I told you that um, we lived in Washington, D.C. When mm-hmm. we were in Washington, I got tuberculosis. No, I don't know. And at that time, there wasn't any cure. They just stuck you in a bed and you just had to or be quiet. Or you could go to Palm Springs. Well, they sent me to live with my grandmother in Laguna Beach. There you go. And uh, I'd been really active as a little kid. And here I was, three years old, stuck in bed. So... Mm. Um, so every day she would draw with me, and that kind of kept me from being okay. a completely insane child. Mm-hmm. And that's true for my entire life. Is like yeah, I have to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really mm-hmm. have much of a choice. Right. And speaking of choice, so now um, we, you know you've been 
categorize, and I don't know if this is fair, but uh, as, you know, a, a feminist artist, which I don't, I, I never liked those kind of, you know, uh, straight jacketing kinds of things. But in, I was curious, uh, maybe now in the Me Too sort of thing, what your view is in terms of that politically, and then in terms of where art making uh, with that kind of a bet, with a you know, with a feminist edge is now, and where it had been when you started. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. I'm happy to be called a feminist um, artist, but and I think that it's uh, I, it's important that I think people realized uh, after a couple years of the second wave feminist movement that you can't say feminism; you have to say feminisms. It has to be plural because there are lots of different groups of women or people identified as women that, you know, have similar but not, you know, not exactly the same uh, interests and goals. Like, Hmm. for example, uh, one of my dearest friends was just in town, um, Senga Nangudi. And um, I think of her as a feminist artist, but you know, she wasn't part of, say, the woman's building. She was with other groups of uh, black artists doing her work. And um, so, uh, and I was, you know, I kind of stumbled into the woman's building and got involved in the first iteration where there was a, a, there were two galleries called Grandview 1 and 2. And, um, showed some work there and did uh, some performance there and then um, when the building moved there were a group of us that had been in the gallery and we just wanted to do projects and support other other women artists so we formed a group called Double X and that's what right. we did. Yeah, Double X and then you'd like, mm-hmm. was that, that was also a publication or no? The, or there was another publication that what did you do with the Paul McCarthy, right? Paul Paul did a number of of publications of his own. He did Crisscross, Double Cross. Oh, that's right. It was his newsprint. Yeah. Yeah. Double X really um, didn't publish anything. Um, A few years ago, I was lucky enough to be invited to uh, bring a little show to the Chapman University Gallery. And I thought it would be interesting to revisit Double X and uh. invite some of the members who are still making art and active to, um, you know, show some work that was recent work. Right. And that's what we did. Um, so what's happening now, I mean, I, I guess uh, Charlie James was saying that, hey, we're in the fourth wave of feminism now. And it's like, I <laughs> Yeah, can't. Charlie's been on the show, and he, I love him. He's, yeah, you know, he's, he's a neighbor. Great. And uh, so I'm glad to hear it. But what does that mean? Well, I can't speak to what it means, really, because, <laughs> I mean, it's like that's this generation, you know. It's not my generation. It's like, well, more power to them. But, but, but that, in, in, that insinuates or it, uh, posits 
that there it would there, there's a ladder that there were steps taken and so what was the step that he might say is now the fourth step huh well i guess i think of it as like eruptions so they don't necessarily have to be linked okay you know so the i guess the fourth iteration is involved with online presence right more yeah i was going to ask you about that yeah. because I, I i you know i was looking back at you where you did a little bit of homework and uh uh i wouldn't say you know i wanted to say like oh she's such a pioneer which is true but i don't want to use that word because that assumes that a, a particular landscape and um, and instead, I think uh, I, you know this is not formulated on my end, obviously, because I'm stumbling. But you have been at the forefront of a lot of those kinds of things. The you know using video, and then uh, you know how you did performance and all of that. And now you know it's so easy with the social media piece. So um, I'm curious, like as you make art now, uh, how, or if not, you're using those kinds of media? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you, I guess maybe I'm regressing since, <laughs> I, you know, I'm sitting in my studio making drawings. Right. I, yeah. But a couple, uh, not this last summer, but the summer before I went to, uh, this place in upstate New York that's a, kind of a, um, a resurrection of a program that I had used in 1983. Um, there's a, uh, an organization called Signal Culture and they have all this really old analog equipment and you put things together, you know, with patch cords right. and you can use waveforms to manipulate mm -hmm. and warp the image. And um, so I processed a whole bunch of video, but it, then I thought, why should I make video now? You know, who wants to see it? I mean, there's just so much so to much, see. So much, right? Yeah, that's and kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah. It's like, there's such a glut. And, it, you know, like when you started, it was uh, and using video as a, as a medium, and it was like so new, and nobody knew how to do it. And, and now, it's been sort of diluted for that very reason. There's so much. I think there's some great stuff going on, you mm -hmm. know, but I guess for myself, it's like I'm just kind of wary about the whole thing. And, mm -hmm. and even though it seems so easy, I think, to work with anything, it would take me a long time to go through what I have and make decisions. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mm -hmm. never was much of the spontaneous, oh, I'm just going to sit down and, you right. know, do it. Um, I did use some video in this durational performance I did back at UCI <laughs> in 2016 <laughs> that was called It's Your Party. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was about the drone program. Oh, my that Obama was doing because I was really upset about the fact sure. that everybody's like, oh, Obama's so great. And it's like, wait, what about these yeah, yeah, targeted yeah, yeah, killings? Yeah. What about this horror show of, you know, people being killed? Sure. All, you know, especially in the Middle East. And um, 
And Ulysses Jenkins invited me to be part of this program uh, and use their fancy um, experimental theater to do a performance. And I thought, oh God, you know, I, I never was an entertaining person and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not comfortable with the idea of people having to sit down and watch me do anything. So I thought, okay, so it's going to be this atmosphere of a party and people can come and go as they wish. And I had a nice budget, so I invited um, <clears throat> several wonderful women artists to collaborate and do their thing. Arshia was part of it and oh. she was DJing music from the countries that we bomb. And uh, Amy Alexander. Music from the countries that we bomb. I love that. That's a great phrase. And uh, Amy Alexander um, is a, uh, a wonderful artist at UC San Diego, and, and she has um, made these various kinds of applications, and she was um, uh, using uh, an algorithm to break video apart, and she got all this video from the, the Internet of people from the, those countries, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, yeah. just people the same age as the UCI students would be, just hanging out, having parties, whatever. And she was kind of riffing off of Arshia's sound and like making patterns with the video. Oh. So there was video there and then Stephanie Osbeck um, was really key in helping me figure out different aspects of the show and um, she had a video of a woman who um, who had trained as a um, a Sufi dancer. Cool. So we had some video of her, and I used video of um, the um, uh, statistics that there's a website where you can find the uh, cost of these wars, and it's it's like ongoing; it's just constantly updating. Yeah, yeah, so I had good. that. And it's the, not good. I made a video of. Um, the region around Irvine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I got some footage from a, a wonderful guy named Brad who does um, tech there, and he had shot drone footage, high quality drone footage. And so I did a little animation of a crosshairs following a truck driving oh, God, around there. Scary. And then I had text falling in the front of the video, and as it fell down, the names of the various operations we've done in the Middle East mm -hmm, changed. Mm -hmm. So it was Operation Desert Shield, yeah, Desert Storm, yes, right. blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of like, how would this feel to you if when you were driving around, yeah, you know, you hear and, and, something? You know, and then, of course, we just blew up Sulaiman. I know, I know. It's just a disaster. So, I, w what's happening with you now? Do you, you got shows coming up? Are you done? What's up? You're making your drawing. Right. And, and so, there will be a show of the drawing, two different drawing directions at Charlie James in May. That's, oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Well, that's just around yeah. my block. Some of them are no performance. Cool. You're not going to throw in a little... Throw in a little... <laughs> <laughs> I don't perform. No, not, not anymore. anymore. Nope. <laughs> the whole the whole ambience of that is completely different. That's for yeah. Sure. Talk to me about that. What's going on with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, when when we started uh, doing performances back in 
the early, early Back 70s. In the day, right? yeah. It was like the whole thing of, um, uh, you know, the audience meeting you halfway. So it was a different ambience. It wasn't people sitting there waiting to be entertained. Ah, interesting. And I think that the whole dynamic is completely different. That's why I did a durational thing where you can come in, you can dance, you can, you know, uh -huh. go sit with Arshia, you can have some tea, you can come and talk to me, ah, and then you can go when you want, you know. So when did that change though? So like there was like the performance pieces where, you know, the, Vito Acconci and those, you know, the, the excruciating things, right? right? And then when did it flip to like a performance that people would buy a ticket to? Well, I think that you could really see that it had turned the corner when Eric Bogosian was doing like what essentially is like oh, stand-up, you oh, know? Right, yeah. It's like this is entertainment. This is like a monologue right. about a character, about me, 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 you know? Right, it's like yeah. that's different. That's completely different. Right, which is sort of why I think there's that, the, the, why I made the pioneering reference mm -hmm. to the social media piece. That's true. Uh, so many artists, so little time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming out. Hey, thanks for having me. I hope no, I made a little fun. bit of sense. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I never make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents, Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest tonight was Nancy Buchanan. You can learn more about Nancy at nancybuchanan.net and be sure to keep a lookout for her show at the Charlie James Gallery this spring. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, the music and artist management company Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Check us out at mayfairla.com regime72.com, and of course, aggeiger.com. Thanks for listening.